Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. I'm thrilled to welcome to the show today, Daniel Israelson, VP Finance and Operations at Firmex. As Vice President of Finance and Operations, Daniel is responsible for overseeing all support functions including information systems and analytics through to finance and accounting. Prior to joining Firmex, Daniel spent eight years at PwC in both Canada and the US as both an auditor and consultant. Daniel is a graduate of the Ivy Business School at Western University and is a chartered accountant. So enough from me, time to bring in Dan, VP Finance and Operations at Firmax. Dan, thanks so much for joining me on The Backbone today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So prior to Firmax, you were at uh, PwC for eight years. Talk to me about uh, your journey to Firmax and how that all happened. Sure. No, it'd be great. First of all, thanks very much for uh, having me on the show. Uh, very excited to... Uh, to help out with this this great initiative. Uh, so a bit about me. I started off my career at PwC uh, right out of undergrad, uh, which I did at the Ivy Business School. Uh, spent a bunch of time in a bunch of different roles uh, in a few different countries. Primarily worked in the Toronto, New York offices. Started off in the audit practice and then moved through from various consulting and ultimately into some uh, tax planning, tax structuring type work. And what was really interesting about that experience is it gave me a phenomenal exposure to lots of different businesses at various you know, stages of kind of the, their life cycle uh, and really helped me underpin my, my, my belief that consulting wasn't for me. Uh, you know, yeah, a great time. So when I was, you know, starting to look for that opportunity outside of, outside of the firm, and uh, really looking for something that I could get excited about and engaged. I was looking for something uh, in the Toronto area, because that's where I live, and, and something that uh, had a great story, had a great team, had a great product, and, and had a bit of had a bit of a trajectory already. Uh, came to Firmex with a really interesting opportunity to kind of take on a leadership role in the uh, finance and, and operations side of the business. Ran with that. Uh, it, it's been a phenomenal experience in the sense that I got to come in here, take a, you know, relatively early stage. At the time I joined, they've been around about eight, nine years as well, mm -hmm. uh, and help take it to that next stage, which is it becoming this kind of mid-sized company and and really figuring yeah. out what that means for for a business. 
Right. So t- tell me a little bit about, um, we'll get into, I guess, what, what Firmex does, but when you started at Firmex, um, how, how big was the team? How, how big is it now? Talk to me a little bit about that aspect. Sure. Of course. Uh, so from the finance, the core finance perspective, when I joined the company, we had one temp accounting person. Mm-hmm. And that person was responsible from everything from AP, AR, financial statements, tax reporting, managing the – like literally anything wow. and everything in the finance side. Right. But fortunately, it's a simple business and it's a a relatively small business. So it was manageable for that person and when they needed it, they'd pull in other uh, other people as they could. Now we've, we've grown the team to three people with uh, some open headcount as well. So hopefully we'll be – you know, turning that into about a four or five person team over the next six months. Cool. Uh, including myself. So that's just on the finance side. And then on top of that, we've had a great opportunity in the operations side to, to look at other areas of the business. Uh, we had a really good, we had a really great uh, business intelligence and analytics team, which is part of the operations function. And we have an opportunity to grow that a little bit and really drive a lot of value for the business, as well as bringing some people in our business operations team to help better analyze and understand other elements of the business and help the various department leaders better operationalize some of their initiatives. So a lot of growth, a lot of really interesting stuff. And the whole idea being that, you know, we were kind of bootstrapping it, really lean operations. But as you grow, you have to evolve and you have to become something meatier in order to deal with a meatier business. So uh, really exciting times, really, really fast evolution over the last few months. Nice. That's awesome. And so you, you touched on this a little bit, but, uh, so let's dive into what, what is Firmex? Uh, what, what does Firmex do? Uh, maybe you could tell me a bit more about, uh, about that. Sure. Well, Firmex is one of those great Canadian startup stories that you never hear of. And there's tons of them out in the market. And because I, I, until now, until right. now, so right. <laughs> yes, until now. And, and the reason I say that is it's very lightly funded, if at all. Like many of these companies, they don't sell for massive multiples because they're they're real strong businesses, providing products often on a B two B, but sometimes on a B two C basis. And, and it operates in this great ecosystem of Toronto, but behind the scenes. Uh, so what Firmex is? Firmex is a secure document collaboration company. We focus primarily on uh, three sub areas of that. One is M and A due diligence litigation and compliance activities. And what that means is when a company is looking either to sell itself or interact with a third party outside of their their firewall, outside of their network, they need Mm -hmm. to share confidential documents. We provide a platform and a tool to allow them to do that with tons of security and really just the certainty of knowing that those, you know, that secret sauce of theirs is not going to go disappear into cyberspace. So we've been really successful with that. Uh, sell our product really throughout the world. Uh, our biggest market is obviously the United States, uh, but we're very much a Toronto company. 100% of our employees are in Canada. Uh, of that, 98% are in the Toronto area. So really, wow. really, really great you know, Toronto success story where our, our founders came together with a really interesting product, raised a really small angel round, and from mm-hmm. there self-funded the business. Uh, which is why you don't hear about us because we're not, we were never out doing big deals up until, uh, this past year. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we'll get into that a little bit. So Firmex is in the deals business. The deals business is, uh, providing virtual data rooms, like you said, to M&A transactions. So, I'm curious, you know, once a deal is finished, that data room gets archived and the customer stops paying for Firmex. 
And so until the next time they do an M&A deal, which the company itself, if they're acquired, then it may not be their decision to decide which data room provider they use. It's more likely their parent. Anyways, so given this dynamic, how does Firmax think about a concept like churn? I'm assuming Firmax has some sort of SaaS uh, model, their pricing. So churn is a big thing. And, and so given that dynamic, how do you how do you think about churn uh, in the business? Yeah, no, of course. It's a great question and, and a really interesting that we actually debate a lot here uh, how to think about churn because like you say, within a SaaS business, one of your key drivers is you know, your customer retention, which is really just the inverse of churn. To your point with you know, the core, what, what probably is the best way to do it is to separate our business out. We, we've actually been really successful in, in running, I would say, to very similar but parallel business streams. And it's the same product, it's the same service, it's the same everything, but the buying behavior of our customers is very different. And that, that causes some interesting differences, particularly around the churn retention model. Uh, we have our core business, uh, or one of our core businesses, which you rightly, rightly identified is that M&A, I'm selling my business, let's do mm -hmm. the deal, get it done. And when the deal's over, the data room's over, and thanks very much, and we had fun, and goodbye. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and to your point exactly, if you sell your business, you're probably never selling your business again unless you do another startup, which hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully we see that. That business, the way we talk about it, we call it our transaction business because it's very transactional. You know, right. we, we don't manage that to a churn number. That Got we it. really worry about cost of acquisition because we know it's it's primarily a one-time deal. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of other attributes for that business, which is real, which make our make it really attractive. We talk about the virality, the fact that you're inviting lots of other people in to use our product. Right, right. Um, so it kind of has aspects of of a, a consumer thing there, where you're like you invite all these people into the data room. They may not have heard of Firmex before, then they start using the product, and they're like, "Oh, this is pretty cool. Maybe I'll use this on other deals." Because you're inviting, you know, count, legal counsel, advisors, and all of these th kinds of people. So I guess that's the virality you're talking about or something exactly. else it's that's exactly what we're talking about so from that perspective so that that creates a lot of value to us outside of just the core kind of price that you pay for consuming our data room for your deal but mm -hmm. obviously doesn't drive any kind of second purchase from the initial buyer right so from that perspective we, we look at that business and that's like you say is, is almost consumer and that's what we call it a transactional business because we do one transaction with you and mm -hmm. we say thanks very much and walk away, everybody walks away happy, right? Customers got a lot of value from our product. We had sure. a great, great economic relationship with them. And we feel that we've, you know, socialized this product with potentially a whole new group of users. So we also think there's some long-term value there too, but mm -hmm. not in the way you think about churn. Now, the other right. piece of our business, which has actually been our larger business over time, we call it our subscription book. And that's much more of a traditional SaaS model. And we're being okay. successful with that is that's a company that says, Firmix, you've got a great product for allowing me to share uh, documents either in a due diligence and a compliance and a litigation setting with lots of third parties. But I don't want to have to go – and, and I do this on a regular basis, whether I'm an investment bank, a law firm, an accounting firm, a corporate mm -hmm. dev team, or even just a general corporate. And they need to share documents with lots of people. And they say, you've got a great product to do it. I'm, I want to use you regularly. And I want to use you for multiple reasons. So maybe that's my corp dev team is going to use you for our, our M&A activity. And my accounting team is going to use you for our uh, financial statements audits, communicate with our auditors. Or mm -hmm. maybe it's a law firm that says we're doing M&As and we're doing litigation. And we want to use you to share documents with all those third parties. And right. th those customers come to us. And they what they do is they buy a subscription, plain and simple. And those are really worry about 
churn and we manage churn. And that's a very kind of simple and traditional churn retention analysis because we're looking mm-hmm. at customers and we're saying, how are you using our product? Are you getting value at it? And how can we help you use it more and more efficiently? Got it. That Got is it. really the fundamental basis about managing the churn on that business. So it becomes a really interesting dynamic because what you have in our business now is we're a SaaS business. Everything's a subscription, buying the mm-hmm. same product. But you have these two unique user bases that are, are consuming the product in a different different way. And you have to think about constantly, are we talking to all these pe- people in, in the same way and in the right way? So it becomes a very interesting, uh, really interesting, really fun kind of dynamic in terms of uh, figuring out those two business lines. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, you've got a subscription piece and then a, a, a kind of transactional or one-time revenue uh, model as well, just given the two uh, sides of the users that are using it. So then uh, I want to dig into a little bit more on, on the churn side, on the subscriptions. Given churn, some some churn is controllable churn, some churn is uncontrollable churn. How do you think about those two aspects? Like I'll give you an example, like for instance, in a different space, let's say um, an e-commerce enablement platform, if they're helping, you know, uh, small mom and pop shops get online that that business can have churn in two ways one that customer just decides to move to another platform or uh that business that small mom and pop shop just shuts down and then that's out of the control of the enablement platform so it's uncontrollable churn so is there any aspect of of that how you look at churn in terms of controllable and uncontrollable for for firmex of course, uh, when we look at the churn, I think it would be irresponsible for us not to really understand mm-hmm. why. And I'll talk about it, the good and the bad, why customers are leaving us and why customers are coming to us. Uh, and, and when we look at why customers are, are, are leaving us from a, a churn and retention perspective, understanding whether it's a, a junior miner who got really hurt by the commodity you know, bust over right. the last few months and literally the business disappeared. Uh, they were using us for uh, communicating with investors, for certain compliance filings, uh, for even just as a repository to store some of their kind of complex kind of mine plans. And mm-hmm. they disappear because fundamentally, you know, the business just went bankrupt. So understanding that is for sure, for sure essential. Uh, and the metrics we look at that on are, you know, you know, obviously controlled and uncontrolled being the big banners, but yeah, Within those, obviously, there's there's variability, right? Is it the business go bankrupt? Did a competitor come in with a a better offering or more tailored Mm -hmm. offering? What we're seeing sometimes in in some of the spaces, legal being a a great example, is that there are providers that have focused legal platforms, whereas we are a platform that – People use this across industries, and that mm-hmm. provides a lot of value to certain customers. Some customers want something that's really industry-focused. And understanding if a customer is just leaving us for one of those, those products it, it is right. very useful. And also, that becomes very useful when we start thinking about how we kind of iterate and develop the next generation of our product and understanding sure. what customers are important to us. So, of course, understanding the, the reasons why customers churn yeah. and, and understanding sometimes there's there's even good churn. There's certain customers that are just not worth the hassle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, they eat up a lot of your support resources and it just doesn't make sense from, from the standpoint of keeping them on. Um, just doesn't justify uh, having them around. We are, are running joke here always, and I'm sure uh, a lot of your, your, your future guests will say the same thing. Your your smallest customers take up way more time than some of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's this whole concept of like, a quote unquote, firing a customer because they're just not worth your while. And it's different because, you know, in the past and, and even today, you know, the old adage is that the customer 
customer is always right. But yeah, that, that might be the case, but uh, they may not be a, a good customer for you uh, just because they're just consuming all these support resources and whatnot. No, 100%. Some, the customer is always right, but sometimes you want to be wrong. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Moving on to, uh, you, you touched on this uh, a little bit in, in the beginning. Uh, recently, no NovaCap, one of Canada's largest uh, or leading private equity funds, uh, invested into Firmex. And so prior to that, like you said, Firmex, founded in 2006, had raised just about you know five million in venture capital funding, if if that. And so now having a, a private equity player like NovaCap on the cap table and part of the business, what has that been like? What is it now like to have a PE backed operating a PE backed company? And uh, what does it mean for for the finance team and and for your team at Firmex? Sure, no, that's a, that's a great thing, and, and the uh, transaction with NovaCap was, was a great great point in, in kind of Firmex's history. Uh, something really really excited about, uh, like you said, phenomenal institution, been around for decades, primarily based out of Montreal, but they have a presence in Toronto. Uh, great mm-hmm. team and great track record in helping. Uh, companies take what they're really good at, making it more efficient, more effective, and in, in scaling it up to, to becoming the next level. And, and part of that is coming in and helping us bring in the discipline, both from an operating and finance perspective, to to take us to that next level. So I talked a bit before about how you know when you think about it, the journey or evolution of a company from kind of seed, early stage, all the way through to Google or or Apple. Sure. Yeah, one of those. That is that that journey requires a lot of inflection points, mm-hmm. where the company's really got to make choices and they've got to make decisions. They've got to make investments in the business in order to prepare themselves and, and be ready to kind of handle the complexities that come with with getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As I said, when I came in here, that was one point where the company said we want to professionalize kind of the finance operations team, bring it up so that it, it scaled kind of comparably with the rest of the business. We, sure. we did a phenomenal job on, on really running an efficient and well-organized sales, marketing, technology uh, operations. And now there was a point where to say, let's take the back office and, and let's do the same thing. With mm-hmm. The transaction with NovaCap was just the next step in that evolution. It was an opportunity for us to say, you know, we've built a phenomenal business. We've got a lot of runway. We've got a lot of opportunity to grow. Let's bring a partner that's done this before. Let's got bring it. somebody in that can help us ask the right questions, can help us brainstorm the right answers to take us from this, I'll call it small, mid-sized company where we're kind of on that cusp of that and make us into that solidly mid-market uh, technology company uh, and on the right track to become you know, hopefully one day a large-scale technology company. Right. So it was a great opportunity to do that. NovaCap has been a great partner in doing that because they've seen lots of businesses. Now, mm-hmm. when we talk about the finance function, for me, it's a huge opportunity to sit there and, and deal with people that, like I said, have seen it before, have done it before, and, and can bring real experience to say, this is how we do it over here, or this is how we did it in this company, and, and really help us uh, figure out the right choices and decisions we make as we kind of grow our team from a finance perspective, as we put the right tools in place, as we put the right uh, operating procedures in place, uh, and really help us along that journey to, to being that uh, you know mid-market tech company that uh, is, is really uh, a household name or, or at least a yeah. Canadian success story that people hear of. 
Right, right. And so uh, I want to dive into a bit more on on just being private equity back. So and, and the various stages, right? So um, you know, as a as a bootstrap company, or you know, even prior to you joining Firmex, um, finance may have just been a, an afterthought, or or it was just it, it is what it is, and it's just there. Um, and then and then you got involved, and then built some um, scaled that function. And so now with with a private equity uh, player like Novacap here, and then obviously as as companies get larger and larger and you mentioned the likes of Google and Apple like public companies you increase the kind of reporting requirements and disclosure and things like that so have have you found that to be uh, like has that been a welcoming site for you or it's like just more work or like maybe you can talk to a little bit about that great point and and <laughs> i think what it is is all of those things it is definitely more work it mm-hmm. is definitely a welcome site and it is definitely an opportunity for us to say we have to if we want to be the type of company we believe we can be what are the things we need to be doing and and how do we do those and Absent of a professional owner, absent of a public market, there isn't the onus and the pressure to really streamline, operationalize, and really deliver that high-quality financial reporting that future buyers or the public Mm -hmm. markets eventually may, may want from us. So it's a really, really great opportunity. It is a lot of work, and and taking a company that has been bootstrapped to very closely held to private equity, that transition is challenging. And Mm -hmm. and it's challenging because the needs of a a company that is trying to figure out if it's going to make payroll next month to the needs of a small company that's got the owner owner managers in their day-to-day yeah, are yeah. very different, and those two are very different in themselves. But those two are vastly different to what professional investors are looking for, mm-hmm, and the type mm-hmm. of analysis and understanding of the financial statements. And and it's really the interesting part for me is taking that step back and and making sure you're always looking at it from these perspectives. Because oftentimes what will happen is you get the requests and the questions and it's challenging and it's a lot of work and you're trying to manage a business day to day and help the business run. But you're also have this more of a reporting burden. And, and that's part of that catalyst for, for us growing our team so much is, uh, is dealing with that. But it's stepping back and saying like, why do these guys, why, why do these people need this? Like, why do they care? Right. They think we're doing a good job. And the truth <laughs> is they're just not here day to day. They yeah. don't see the order bell ringing. They don't see the cash in the bank and, 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 mm-hmm the same way that someone investing in a public security doesn't see it. Right. Right. So, you know, going through that process and, and getting, getting up to snuff or getting up to that required level, mm-hmm. it, it's just, uh, it's challenging. It's a lot of work from my perspective, very welcome and necessary. It's something that I, I'm really excited to be a part of in, in helping the company evolve down that, that next stage of that life cycle. Right, right. And, you know, as, as product evolves, as, uh, the company's sales and marketing evolves, uh, it's important for, I guess, the finance function to also evolve and, and scale with that. Um, so that's really neat. And so this, uh, this leads well into the next question I had, which was, um, so in your opinion, like what, what is the importance of, of the finance function at an early stage and, and now, I guess, a growth stage company, uh, a technology company in particular? 
Of course. So I think the finance function is a fascinating function, uh, and I'm sure everybody will, no will say that. Yeah, exactly. Everybody will say that about their functional area. No, but I think it's a fascinating function when you talk about early stage or, or high growth or growing technology or even kind of brick and mortar companies. Because when you start off, your finance function is really a necessary evil, right? Hmm. Even if you've got a bit of venture funding and you've got some you know, outside investors that are curious about what's going on, but it's really a necessary evil because what is it doing? It's taking resources away from your core, two core activities, which is building a product and selling the product. Right. But as you grow, you start to, more and more value starts to come out of that finance function because as you get away from that, are we going to make payroll? Do we have product market fit? Are we actually a real business? But once you've proven that out, the finance mm-hmm. function, I, I would argue, goes on a really fast, really fast uh, hockey stick curve uh, of value add because it goes from a, a, this, this necessary evil of making sure our vendors are paid, our employees are paid, right. and that we have enough cash in the bank to being something that helps us really think about the business strategically. It, it hmm. starts off from my perspective as providing the data to let the owner managers, let the uh, the sales and potentially the technology people really understand the business and make the right decisions as they scale it up. And as, right. you, as you continue to grow up that spectrum, it really provides the opportunity to have that strategic insight. It's one of the few positions within the business outside of really the, the, the C-suite. And when I say the C-suite, it's really just a CEO that has a view of everything going on and has right. that opportunity right. to, bring, to wrap their arms around the company and say, what does this all mean? And mm-hmm. particularly as you grow and you're not all sitting across from each other, that becomes more and more and more important. And it's that opportunity there uh, where finance creates a lot of value for businesses because it's able to it's it's the one person that's able to see what the left and the right hand are doing and to yeah. help provide advice to to the to the other decision makers in the business to say, well, here's what he's doing and here's what she's doing and how do we make sure everything's aligned and we're all we're all appropriately driving to that shared goal of success. So it seems like what you're you're saying is like it, it's really the the connection between everything else, uh, like making sure that sales and marketing kind of speak the same language in terms of if, uh, like we we talked about customers before, uh, you know, if you see a certain cohort of customers just doesn't make sense, um, and marketing keeps, uh, you know, marketing to those types of customers, you can kind of step or your team can step in and say, Hey guys, it's not worth our while to market to those types of customers. Cause it's just not worth it. Is that what, exactly. what you're Exactly. Yeah. So as you grow, you start to see more of those opportunities. So when I look at that life cycle, when everybody's in, in the same the same floor, the same space, everybody yeah. knows what everybody's doing. In fact, sure. people are wearing multiple hats and probably doing it all. But mm-hmm. as you're growing exactly that, the opportunity to, to, to sit down with the marketing team and say, you know what, we have this cohort that's just got terrible churn or it's just chewing up so much of our support resources – it's just not profitable. You know, how do we pivot our marketing towards these this profitable cohort and having mm-hmm. that discussion? We're sitting down with the sales team and, and helping them understand, you know, the pr- implications of some of the pricing decisions that they make. Right, right. And, and what that means from a margin perspective. And, you know, you can't give away the store just to close a deal uh, because yeah. that has downstream <laughs> implications to the entire company. We're working right. with the technology team and understanding to say, you know, you've got your development plan, but what is it actually costing us to develop this feature? And what is the return we're going to expect to see on that feature? Mm-hmm. And does it make sense to invest all that, you know, agile team's time or all those developers' time in developing that? Because maybe that doesn't actually 
incrementally grow the business, right? It's cool, it's neat, but it's not necessarily that that growth piece. And, and it's yeah. bringing all those together to create to create a lot more value to the business. And then the other piece is, I find at least from a lot of the CFOs I talk to in the VP finances, is when you talk with the CEOs, oftentimes the CEO is a very lonely job. You, you, you're sitting at the top of a pyramid and you don't have yeah. a peer group. You know, right. you've got your you've got your your other C suite or your v, your vice presidents below you who are looking yeah. out for you to guidance. But I find the CFO ends up being because they have this view of the business, the one person that can actually act as a sounding board mm-hmm. and, and engage in those strategic discussions with the CEO because they also have that same picture that they're looking at. What you're saying is the finance function is essentially the backbone. <laughs> I want to hop in now to a quick fire round. Um, so the way this works is I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You have 10 seconds to, to respond to that. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right, let's do it. So uh, your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related, what do you go to? Google is probably the first stop, but uh, <laughs> I think I end up on Investopedia more time, more often than not when I've got the, the quick question. And, and the other one is uh, just my personal network. Uh, just firing cool. out an email to a few people. Nice. Your favorite productivity hack? Flags in uh, my inbox. So I can Are you multiple colors? You, you do the whole nine yards? Do the whole nine yards. Yeah. Cool, cool. And, and last one. One thing that you don't leave the office before finishing? My to-do list for the next day. Interesting. Okay. So you're, you, you get through your to-do list, like check all that off, and then what you're kind of coming up to do tomorrow, you want to have that flushed out before you leave? I would, I would love to say that I check it all off. Most of the things get just ported to the next day, but yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. Uh, this has been a lot, lot of fun chatting, talking a little bit about Firmex, your journey, and some of the little intricate details uh, of you know what makes finance so unique, uh, and especially at a company like uh, like Firmex. Oh, great. Uh, appreciate the time and uh, happy to be a part of this. Awesome. Thanks.